Joining me now is Rebecca Thomas, the Chief Executive of Mint Asset Management. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you, Philip. It's um, it's really interesting. Like last week, the Reserve Bank indicated that it's going to uh, maybe cut the OCR again, and, and we're seeing predictions of maybe three cuts. What does that mean for investors who are relying on income going forward? It means things are going to become even more difficult for those people who, and predominantly New Zealanders, of course, are in term deposits um, or cash cash type situations. So very, very hard to meet um, the costs that are going up by more than the rate of inflation in those sort of investments. So great for house buyers, yes, potentially getting new people on the ladder, but very, very bad for savers. And they're getting it's they're finding it increasingly difficult to um, you know, meet CPI plus. So I think, um, you know, Mint's got a fund called the Mint Diversified Income Fund that has got a CPI plus hurdle, mm -hmm. but from a capital stable type of fund. So I think, you know, investors need to recognise they're going to have to include at least a portion of growth assets in their portfolios if they're going to meet the requirements of those increasing costs. So, so how hard is it going to be to get some of these people who are sitting on term deposits to actually start to think, oh, they have to put their money elsewhere? And, and, and you know, how does an advisor sell that story to, to a client? Well, I, one of the things I don't think we do well is actually talk about how well New Zealand has done, its equity market has done in a global context. Mm. Well, we always feel like the poor relation of, in, of Australia, um, but both in house prices and in stock market terms, we've actually done a great deal better than our cousin. And our long run rates of return in New Zealand are very, very high by international standards. So yes, we have got um, a relatively conservative equity market here with a lot of yield plays, mm -hmm. but the total return from, from equities has done very well. So I know that's a very hard conversation and the psychology of New Zealanders and their preference for property over shares is something that we can't solve. It's a, it's a generational problem, yeah. I think. Um, but there needs to be a lot of work done on the really the value of compound interest and the value of those very, very good long run returns. Because the other issue they'll have is, you know, people say we're, we've got one of these longest bull runs we've had for a long time. We must be getting to the end of it. You know, yeah. So there's even more uncertainty. Yeah. Would you argue that, you know, because we are such a yield driven market, that's actually a good story to sell? I, I still think there is growth mm -hmm. in the market here over the next 12 months or so. I think there's growth in the listed property market as well, which is you know a strong component of the overall equity market here, which has very strong yield characteristics because they pay out um, a lot of their earnings in the form of regular dividends. So yes, look, we still think that there is a there's a story there um, stronger for longer. We do think that that keeps that keeps going, mm -hmm. but we do think it's going to be more volatile. So the one thing that um, advisors have got to really say to their clients is this isn't going to be a smooth curve mm -hmm. um, north. There is going to be a lot more volatility at this late stage of the cycle. So, so, so it's a great opportunity for advisors to have discussions with their clients. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. So, so, so one of the other things you're involved in at the moment is this Capital Markets Task Force. Can you tell me a little bit about that and, and why advisors should be thinking about what's happening in that space? Yeah. So it's a, a joint initiative between NZX um, and the FMA. Um, but it's an industry-led 
um, forum. So it's the industry themselves and representatives of the industry looking at how do we make the boat go faster in New Zealand? Can we improve New Zealand's mm -hmm. productivity, which is maybe something we, we well, the government should be concentrating uh, on yeah. as well as the as private sector. But can we make the boat go faster? If we have great ideas in New Zealand, is there enough capital um, for those great ideas to access and in order to be, be successful? And of course, globally, we've seen this very strong rise, particularly with support from international pension funds and sovereign wealth funds of private assets over public assets. And we've seen that in New Zealand too, with people choosing to go to private markets rather than listed, listed markets. And, and you're talking before about some of the issues which have been discussed around how much research you might need with a product. Yeah. What, what's the thinking so, there? So I think for advisors, I mean, a part of the improved investor literacy um, is really making sure that um, people have access to advice. I think that's incredibly important mm. and advisors have a key role to play in that. So we as fund managers have got to find ways to support mm. advisors um, and we're an independent manager and we only manufacture products so we're not involved in the distribution um, space. So independent advisors are very important to us. I think they um, need to have the confidence to make recommendations to their clients under the law um, and one of the things that we're looking at is whether or not um, having reasonable grounds for making a recommendation necessarily means they need to be able to point to an independent piece of research. So whether that's a Morningstar fund rating for, for a fund or whether it's a piece of Forsyth Bar individual um, stock or security research. And really we need to have a broader discussion about investors having confidence to put um, their clients into earlier stage investments. Of course, yeah. making sure they're suitable from a risk profile, mm -hmm. having said that, but that they can explore um, smaller growth opportunities with confidence. Yeah, so because that's one of the issues they have at the moment, often they think they can't use a product because they don't have any yeah. research behind it. So that would be a, a, a good thing. Yeah. Um, you also talked about Mint supporting advisors being yeah. a core part of your philosophy. I know you've got a few little things going on about how um, advisors can get remunerated. Do you yeah. want to tell me a little bit about that? Well, which we, we genuinely believe that there is, a, there is a need for advice. We think if we're going to grow the overall mm. pot, then we've got to get better at getting advice mm. to people who need it. We all know that economically that's very difficult for people under certain balances mm. and certain size. So we're looking at what we can do in order for us um, as a manager to support advisors in mm. terms of giving advice mm. um, and whether that's possible with us doing some sort of um, fee rebate mm. type arrangement. So we're working through actually with consult consulting with the FMA, mm -hmm. working through different ways that we might do this mm. which don't stray into commission mm -hmm. or commission by another name. Well, because that's one of your big issues, right? It, it, yeah. it, it is. And, you know, we don't know what's coming down the pipe from the FMA in terms of post-roll commission, what their views will be on the landscape in New Zealand as far as commission goes, and they haven't made any comments on that. But obviously advisors will be very sensitive to commission, and lots of advisors mm. are absolutely keen to keep the fee uh, fee-for-service model going and have chosen deliberately to keep their independence and don't want to muddy the waters with any sort of payment from a fund manager. So, so are you seeing a bigger trend of you know investment advisors moving more to a fee-for-service basis? Um, I, I don't know the answer to that question. Certainly the ones that deal with Mint are on a fee service because we haven't paid um, commissions since 2016. We stopped paying commissions. But what we are trying to address with this initiative 
is um, the clients' advisors with balances, say, below half a million mm -hmm. dollars. Mm -hmm. How can they provide an advice service to those clients across a range of assets? So a multi-asset type solution, which requires the investors to have, let's call it, a light touch approach yeah. to, to financial advice. Can we make something available in that space which would encourage um, advisors really to make the effort with those balances below half a million? Yeah, that's exciting, exciting yeah. developments. Yeah. And just finally, uh, you're removing performance fees on your funds? Yeah, we are removing performance fees. Um, we um, only earned performance fees once in the last 14 years, despite never having underperformed our benchmark index yeah. in the last 14 years. Yeah. That's because we had a very fair hurdle. And there's a degree to which um, explaining that mm. is really a, a bridge too far and too complicated for people to understand mm. if a, uh, you know, a high watermark and a constantly ratcheting fee mm. base. But we just think it's cleaner mm. and simpler and easier for people to understand. So we don't get involved in the argument about the value of, of whether performance fees are justified and whether there's a fair share of return between investors and the manager. So we're, we're getting rid of them altogether. Well, look, you know, one of the things is that some of the performance fees out there have got very low benchmarks and they're getting paid every time. And that just doesn't seem to be a fair balance amongst the, the, no. the investor and, uh, and the fund manager. Um, look, I agree with that. But I'm actually more worried about this, um, this trend that's mm. developing by looking at different fund managers' documents whereby the, the hurdle for a performance fee is different mm. from the hurdle for the return on the fund. So where you have an OCR plus or a nominal rate of return hurdle for the mm. performance fee, but the FMA is requiring a relevant market index for, for each individual mm. product, and that index is usually a composite of the asset classes yes. where the fund can invest. So on the one hand, the reference point for investors would be a composite MSCI type index, but the manager is taking their return based on 10% or something like that. So that, that's a complete mismatch around the manager's drivers to generate income and what the investor is supposed to be looking at in terms of judging the overall return. Do you think performance fees should be banned on the market or removed? I think there are... I think the issue is around different timescales. If the manager's focused on an annual performance fee, and it's a very meant to be a very long-term investment of five years or more, then you do have a mismatch. So the, the area where there's no place for performance fees really is in locked-in or superannuation or KiwiSaver, in my view. Should, is, is performance fee something which should be regulated by the FMA or some very clear rule set about how... Well, they, they, they would say that they have a mandate in, re in relation to the reasonableness of fees in KiwiSaver, but they do not have a similar mandate to address that matter mm -hmm. in other managed funds and other products. Um, and I think that they should be a bit bolder mm -hmm. about tackling some of the behaviours outside KiwiSaver, uh, because I think that would benefit everybody in the industry if they were to do that. So I would encourage them to be bold. Oh, well, we'll pass that message on to them. <laughs> Thank you, Rebecca. That's been really interesting, and it's been great to have you in here. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Philip. Cheers.